Hi, I'm Dana Hornby, pastor of Monterey United Methodist Church, and you're listening to The Calling. We're exploring the lives of people who are called to different kinds of ministries in everyday walks, from clergy ministries to pulpit ministries to ministries in their jobs and their communities. Today we're here with Andy Smith, pastor of Heavenly Host Lutheran Church, and we look forward to hearing about Andy's life in and out of the pulpit. Introducing you to local church and community leaders, The Calling. Hi, this is Dana Hornby. I'm here today with Pastor Andy Smith from Heavenly Host Lutheran Church. Andy, we know that you've been at Heavenly Host in Cookville for a while. Tell us about the tours that you had in the Navy and about your life as a chaplain. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, thanks for having me on the show, Dana, and uh, it's, it's great to be here with you. Um, I served in the Navy uh, for eight years. I served in three different places at three different what we call billets in the Navy. Uh, my first job was with a ship, uh, a large deck amphibious assault ship called the USS Bataan. Its main job is to land 2,000 Marines and all their stuff wow. uh, on, on shore and for the Marines to do their job, which is to project American power forward. And uh, that was a great job. I was there for two years. I learned a lot. Uh, I joined the Navy right at the end of 1999. And, of course, as we all know, uh, the world very much changed in 2001, yes. September yes. 11th. And uh, my own experience with that is is quite personal because uh, we went from a peacetime Navy uh, on September 10th, uh, 2001, to a very much active wartime Navy on September 11th. The Navy turned on a dime. Uh I went. I, I love to tell this story because I think it 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 gives a good sense of the difference. We went from having sort of um, what I call Renacop security guards right. at our gates, just sort of waving people onto the base, right. at Norfolk Naval Base, which is the largest naval base in the world. Okay. In Norfolk, Virginia, uh, we went from that on September 10th. Um, to Marines with 50 caliber machine guns and sandbags, and I got a full pat-down search wow. and my bag searched on September 12th when I arrived on the base. Right. Uh, and um, so th- that was that was the difference. You know, we've since obviously stepped back from that right. for day-to-day operations. But, but we went from a peacetime military to a wartime military very, very quickly at Norfolk Naval Base. Right after that, um, I, I left there— uh, in the spring of 2000, let's see, that'd be the spring of 2002, and I transferred to the Marine Corps Air Wing okay. in Cherry Point, North Carolina. And um, uh, the Marine Corps Air Wing are the folks who fly all the aircraft for the Marine Corps. Uh, Marine Corps has a lot of aircraft. You wouldn't think the Marine Corps operates a lot of aircraft. You think of Marines and you think of those uh, ground pounders. Um, but uh, the Marine Corps flies a lot of aircraft, and, and that's where we were uh, on the very eastern tip of North Carolina. Great, great place to be. And um, was with them for two and a half years, uh, deployed at the beginning of the Iraq conflict uh, in 2003, right. from January to, to May 2003. Uh, and then I left there at the end of 2004 and went to Bethesda Naval Hospital. Oh, wow. Uh, which it was called at that time. It's since combined into Walter Reed right. Military Med- Medical Facility at Bethesda. Yes. Uh, they combined those two hospitals in the same place as my old hospital, Bethesda Naval Medical Center. And um, I served there for two and a half years, including a six-month 
deployment to Kuwait, to all the medical facilities in Kuwait. So if my memory is correct, that would have put you in enduring freedom and Iraqi freedom. Is that right? I, I did enduring freedom and Iraqi freedom. Yeah. Those so operations. what are some of the most memorable moments that you have from those tours? Well, certainly um, the activation on 9-11. Uh, we were scheduled to deploy anyway on September 19th, um, but what was going to be a peacetime winter Mediterranean Sea cruise um, just to have American power right. forward deployed uh, went from that to we spent five and a half months off the coast of Pakistan supporting wow. Marines in Afghanistan. So what's it like living on a boat for five and a half months? Um, it is every bit as boring as you might <laughs> think it is. When you're, when you're on a naval ship and you're playing cards with the navigator yeah. uh, at night, you, you know that there's not really much going on. Um, and, uh, and that's not to say anything against the navigator. We had a great navigator. Um, but we were what we call in a, in a box, just in a navigational box. And the orders were to, to stay in that box for the right. night. And, um, we were there for, for five and a half months and just doing those things to, to stay away. Religious program then at that point becomes very important for the people that stay sure. uh, on the ship. And for all those chaplains that did go ashore with Marine Corps, um, assets forward deployed up into Pakistan and then up into Afghanistan, uh, they were taking religious program to all those service members ashore as well. So it was part and parcel of that small community, city that, uh, that I was a part of. For those of us who have never been off the coast of Pakistan looking up at the sky from a boat, how does that feel as a chaplain and as a pastor to look up? That's... What an amazing question, because I don't think people uh, understand. I would um, – I, I made it kind of a habit to uh, to go up on – we had a weather deck above the flight deck, uh, just behind the ship's bridge. You could go outside, and that was a pretty safe place to be, especially if there weren't flight operations going on. Uh, so if you're looking at a at my ship, a, a large deck amphibious assault ship, the, the USS Baton, it would be up on the, what we call the 06 level – and that's three decks above the, the flight deck. And uh, you can stand at the rail and look up into the sky and see uh, just a, a cloud uh, or a, a sky full of just beautiful, brilliant stars. Uh, when there was no moon, you could see the Milky Way. I mean, wow. it, was, it was really amazing. Um, and I would make it my practice to go up and hang out with some of the senior enlisted and other officers that were, right. would gather there, just a handful of us uh, after dinner uh, and things like that. Um, but then after they all went inside, I would typically stay up sort of by myself, uh, there, uh, and pray evening prayer, uh, it, old words that I had memorized from long and long ago. Right. Um, but it was, uh, huh, I haven't thought about that in a long time, but, um, yeah, very connecting. Did that connect you to God as creator? When yeah, absolutely. Looking? Yeah. Yeah. Creator and redeemer. And, and one who had sent me specifically to be where I was at that time for that moment. We're talking with Pastor Andy Smith. We're back with Pastor Andy Smith. Andy, tell us what, what caused you to join the Navy. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because about a year before I went in, my brother had gone in. Uh, he is currently uh, still serving as a United States Naval Intelligence Officer. He works with NATO right now in, in Brussels. 
we've got great conversations, he and I. But I went in uh, because I was already serving in a Lutheran parish. And at that time, I was young enough and still physically fit enough uh, to serve in uh, the United States Armed Forces. And um, I had an interest. I had been in junior ROTC for four years right. uh, in high school. And I was just talking with my brother, and he had had you know, a positive experience with chaplains while he was going through officer candidate school. And he says, you know, that's something you might think about. And I let that percolate for about a year, and then I contacted our church body, uh, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And we have a longstanding uh, relationship with military chaplaincy in our church body. We've had chaplains uh, serving in the U.S. military since the Civil War. Uh, a lot of folks don't know a little history. Uh, we had German-speaking regiments wow. uh, in the Civil War, and we provided German-speaking pastors to those regiments as chaplains. But um, no, it was it was something that I wanted to do. I'd always felt the need to serve my country. My dad had served uh, honorably uh, during the Vietnam era, and um, I, I wanted to be a part of that. Uh, at the time, of course, it was 1999. It was a peacetime right. uh, world, uh, and, and and everything changed. But uh, I was really excited to uh, to be a part of something bigger than myself in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine. Do you have any vivid Navy memories that you share perhaps with your family? Yeah, I, I think one of the most vivid things I remember is is getting under well, – my first vivid memory is uh, uh, walking up to the ship the first time. Wow. And uh, when you walk up to a capital warship uh, along the pier, you know, it's – it's several stories high, and you just wonder how in the world this thing can float. And what you can't see are the several stories below the waterline uh, that keeps it afloat. So that was really impressive. And you're walking up to an aircraft size, aircraft carrier size structure, and you right. get to to go aboard. Um, but the other, I mean, just vivid memory that I have is is getting underway. Whenever we would get underway, whenever we would leave the the port of Norfolk, uh, you 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 leave out past the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Uh, and I always made it a point, even in bad weather, uh, to be above decks uh, so that I could feel that wind in my face because there was just something exciting about getting underway. Even if we were only going to the Caribbean or going on a, uh, you know, a cruise off the Outer Banks or something like that for for training or something. But but especially when we went overseas, I because uh, I, I, you just – you turn out of the channel and you point that ship directly east and then you know on the map what you're looking at. It's just the Atlantic right. Ocean. Wow. And it's going to take 10 days until you see land again. Wow. And it's it's viscerally exciting uh, for me anyway. A little terrifying, yes, because <laughs> um, I know who I'm working with. But they were all great people to work with, uh, super people to work with, and just exciting to to see that ship turn east and, wow. and know you're heading out across open water. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the person, Andy Smith. What's your favorite thing to do when you're not preparing for life at Heavenly Host Lutheran Church? Oh, when I'm not preparing for life at yes. Heavenly Host. Okay, well, um, I love to eat. I love to cook. What's your favorite food? Oh, that's hard to say. Um, <laughs> there's not a whole lot I don't like, to be okay. honest. Um, well, what do you like to cook? I love to cook... Uh, I love to cook Italian food. I love to cook things on the grill. I love to cook... Fancy things uh, like um, Chateaubriand and, oh um, you know, uh, or Beef Wellington, whatever you want to call it, whether you're English or French. Uh, so that, that sort of encrusted uh, steak kind of stuff, primary almost inside a, a crust. Um, I love to cook simple things, just burgers on the grill. It is a lot of fun. Um, and I, uh, I love to bake bread. You bake bread I, for a communion on Sunday? No, not for communion on Sunday. <laughs> uh, we get the little wafers from the um, 
<laughs> from the supply house like everybody else. Yeah. But I, I do break, uh, bake bread for the house, and um, I, I always enjoy eating warm, fresh-baked bread with butter. I think there's probably nothing better in the world. I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you relax? Um, I enjoy time with my family. Uh, I, my wife and I have been married for 26 years. Great. Uh, we were married even when I was in the Navy. And uh, we've got a, a daughter who's 20 years old almost. Wow. Uh, she's a, a junior now at Tech. She just uh, finished her second year there. And I, we've got a 14-year-old son, Daniel, uh, who's just graduating eighth grade right now from Excellent. Prescott. And so we love Prescott. Shout out to Daniel. Absolutely. And um, enjoy spending time with them and, and love love traveling. We do a lot of traveling. Last last year, we went all the way up uh, through the eastern seaboard to Maine. Oh, wow. I think I'm one of the only people um, that can say that I've camped not only at Fall Creek Falls uh, in a tent, but I've also camped in Brooklyn. Lovely. In a tent. <laughs> not everybody can not say Not everybody that. can say that. Yeah, Good for but, you. Uh, we, we went up to, to Brooklyn and then all the way up to Maine last year and and uh, lots of fun. Does your daughter travel with you, or is she busy with college she life? She didn't last year, uh, but she is planning on going with us this year. I think we're we haven't we haven't narrowed down exactly what we're doing this year. We may go to Wisconsin, we may go to Michigan, we may go, we may take a city trip and go to Montreal. We don't we don't know. That's a lot of options. Yeah. good for you. I like to go north when it gets warm. Okay. Yeah. Well, what are your plans for the weekend? Ooh, a church. <laughs> That's a give me answer. Yeah, right? that's, yeah, that's an easy one. You know, weekends pastors don't get, but okay. uh, but yeah. Well, you've had an interesting life. You have served yeah, in the Navy. You've served 48. in the church. <laughs> Tell me of all the things that, that you've experienced, all the service that you've been a part of, which accomplishment are you most proud of? Wow. Um, that's a great question. I would... I would like to say that it would be something that I got a medal for, um, but I, I don't really think that's it. Uh, I think the pastor in me is saying that's probably not it at all. Uh, the pastor in me is saying that whenever I could speak a word of comfort to someone, um, you know, that's what's really important. I remember one instance. Uh, the man, he was a Marine. Uh, he was a staff sergeant, I believe, uh, which is an E6 in the Marine Corps. And his mom had shown up. Uh, they were a Lutheran family, uh, which didn't didn't matter, but it did matter because we Lutherans sometimes have a common uh, lingo. And he had been very badly wounded, I, if I remember the situation correctly. Um, and this was, I want to say this was about toward the end of the Fallujah campaign. Uh, so this would have had to have been at the very end of 2004, beginning of 2005. And I I, I want to say that she was from Oklahoma or someplace out west. And, of course, the, the Navy brings uh, a parent, a next of kin person, to a wounded service member's bedside when they're, when they're hurt like that. And they had brought her. And she was very much in distress. And... Um, seeing her son, I, I believe he had both legs uh, blown off from an IED, uh, the improvised uh, explosive device. And she said to me, because I, I met her a couple times, she said to me one, one thing, and she said, you know, when I was talking to my son, he said, you know, Mom, if, 
if my injury means that somebody else doesn't get hurt, and you know, this is a very marine thing to say, you know, if my if my injury marine meant that someone else didn't get hurt, that's that's enough for me. You know, if it means that my junior Marines, he's a senior enlisted person as a staff sergeant, very important in the Marine Corps. Uh, But if it meant that that his junior Marines didn't get hurt, that was meaning enough for him and his injury. And he said, uh, you know, something to the effect of, and I I still remember this, uh, you know, if I'm the last person to get hurt, that's enough. You know. Wow. And, And she was, you know, Still in conflict about that kind of comment because you know her son's very hurt, um, and and yet she was proud of him to be able to articulate something like that. Right. And I remember, you know, we pastors we we uh, <laughs> we always remember the things that we goof up when we say to people the wrong things. Um, but this was one time, one time where I was able to say the exact right thing, <laughs> and I said to her, uh, you know. When Jesus went to the cross, it was to bring meaning for all of this, and that when he suffered and died, it, it meant that he brings meaning and wow. safety and protection to all of us because he's raised on Easter Day. And, and so, yeah, she took a lot of comfort from that, and uh, I remember her feeling—I uh, no, remember the look in her face uh, being noticeably relieved and— um, and so that's one of the vivid memories I have of hospital ministry uh, there at, at, uh, at Bethesda. Thank you, Andy. You're listening to The Calling, and we'll be right back. This morning, our guest, Pastor Andy Smith from Heavenly Host Lutheran Church, will share with us a motivational message. For a devotional thought today, I thought I would point us toward Pentecost, which most Christians look to as the beginning of what we know as the church today. The account of what happened that day is recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and I'll read just a part of that right now. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. They, the disciples, were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Jews who had traveled all over, from all over, uh, to Jerusalem for this festival had heard the apostles speaking in all these languages listed by Luke here in Acts chapter 2. And then... Luke the historian concludes with this line, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? The Apostle Peter then goes on to tell them what they're witnessing is the promised outpouring of the Spirit of God, prophesied by Joel. And then Peter goes on to actually preach to everyone within earshot what this means. He says, finally, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. So the central message of Christianity from this very beginning, uh, and attested to by the sermons of Peter and the apostles, is this message about Jesus, that he was sent by God the Father, that he suffered, died, was buried, that he rose again on Easter, ending the power of death, and that he ascended to heaven to rule heaven and earth, and then one day he will come again. 
I, I don't think this message about Jesus is really a new thing, but rather it's the old message come to fulfillment. And I understand this message to be in complete harmony with the message of the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament today, and that this message is God's good news for all people, even us today. Most of us realize that we live in a world that's pretty messed up, and most of us realize that that's probably, uh, at least we Christians, we believe that this is far from the intent of the one who created it. But all of us, believer and unbeliever alike, are loved by this God who sent his Son to restore the right understanding of God to the world and to restore a right relationship with God for all people. And he will one day even finish this work of repairing all that's broken in this world. We'll have a new heaven and a new earth. This isn't just pie-in-the-sky hope. It's a certainty given to us by the promises of a God who keeps his promises. I pray the Holy Spirit will be poured out again for all of you in the hearing of this good news. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you, Pastor Andy Smith. We're back with Andy Smith. And Andy, I have a top five question list for you. Okay, this You get a free pass or you get to fleet... Pe- Plead the fifth on one of them. So number one, what's on your playlist? What's on my playlist? Oh, I'm going to take a pass. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Number two, what do you do for fun? Well, I said I like to cook, but I also like to camp. Okay. Uh, I've been, we've been doing more camping, and I took my first backpack trip last summer, uh, backpacked down to the Caney Fork River, uh, down uh, past Virgin Falls, and uh, that was a lot of fun. I bet that was. It's beautiful there. Oh, it's incredible there. We're so blessed here in this area. We really are. Absolutely. Yes. If there were a gag reel of your life, what would be on it? Oh, I should have uh, told you what was on my playlist. Um, (laughs) If there was a gag reel, oh, it would probably... I'm sure that some of it would be, uh, you know, times I've fallen out of the back of my truck or... Uh, just said the craziest thing with my uh, my youngest brother Steve. My youngest brother Steve is uh, probably could be on television. He's uh, a lot of fun. Uh, every time we're uh, we're together, we're we're constantly cutting up and laughing. That would all be on a gag reel for sure. Nice. If you were arrested, what would your family think the crime you committed had been? Well, this is. Oh, okay. That's a different question. <laughs> Um, you can answer the question you wish that I asked, if you prefer. Speeding. Okay. Probably yes. speeding. Yes. Heavy foot? Uh, I used to. You know, they'll stop you for 80 here. I know. <laughs> so what was the question you thought I would ask? Well, it, it's funny because um, my grandmother, a few years ago, got a call from somebody who purported to be me uh, and needed Ooh. bail to get out of jail. Oh, that's great. So it was kind of one of those scam phone calls. And she was really worried because she thought I had actually been arrested and needed bail. My grandmother thought I had been arrested. (laughs) And I don't exactly know what she thought I could have been arrested for, but I assured her that I had not been arrested. But the other thing that maybe she was worried about is uh, maybe some bad habits had come back and I had been arrested for drunk and disorderly or something along those lines. But – you know, I don't think that would have been uh, a reality. Grandma has faith in you, though. Grandma had faith in yes. me. Yeah. She finally called me and said, I got a funny phone call. Somebody said they were Andrew Smith and they were locked in 
in uh, in jail and needed bail money. I said, oh, I'm glad you didn't pay it, Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Good for Grandma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Andy, what is the cleanest joke you know? The cleanest joke I know? Ooh. Boy, I really should have had some of these prepared. Let's see. Um Pastors do not know clean jokes. Well, we, we, we know all kinds of crazy jokes, don't we? <laughs> and some people will actually tell us just to see if they can make us blush. Yes. And I used to work with sailors and Marines, um, so I would always get those <laughs> kinds of jokes. That's not a fair jokes, question. Jokes as well. Um, oh, I've got good kindergartner jokes, like, uh, you know, because we, we have a school and, and we've got the, the young kids. And, you know, why is six afraid of seven? Because <gasps> seven, eight, nine. Beautiful. That, I love that sort it. of thing. That yep. is great. You are equipped for early childhood ministry. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I can play the guitar, so that helps. Excellent. Yeah. So, Andy, do you enjoy any sort of hobbies? I, You know, we've talked about hobbies. I, I've got, uh, yeah, I've got the guitar. Um, I have, uh, I learned to play the guitar back in high school uh, with three-chord rock and roll kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah. And my intent was to woo women. You know, as how'd that a, work out for you? It got me one. Okay, I've been I've been with her for thirty years this <laughs> this uh, this fall. That that is initially why I learned. Then I learned realized it was a it was a ministry tool too, and uh, all those songs that uh, we used to sing thirty years ago, uh, we still sing today, and kumbaya. so I can still play them. Yeah, I can play a little kumbaya. <laughs> you know, there, we are one in the spirit. Uh, you know, all those uh, those camp songs that that we all learned at camp years ago when we. Used to go to camp. Andy, I have it on good authority that you are a fan of Doctor Who. Is that I true? I am, yes. I'm a huge fan, not only of the new series, which was rebooted by the yes. BBC, right? But like the old series. And so my dad will always, uh, you know, say, uh, in fact, my mom made me uh, a very long scarf that Tom Baker, uh, nice. like Tom Baker used to wear from the, wow. from the old, old series. Uh, and then I was just watching another show the other day, and I realized about halfway through that hey, that's Peter Davison, the guy that followed uh, Tom Baker. So I'm yeah, I'm I'm kind of an old Whovian uh, from from years ago, and I I you know I was introduced to it on public broadcasting, right. uh, public TV in in Georgia, Georgia Public Television, uh, like a lot of folks, and uh, it was just this weird thing that nobody else was into, and I thought it would be really cool to get into. So as an old Whovian, do you have a favorite doctor? I, Tom Baker is yeah. my favorite doctor, yeah. and with K-9. Yeah, Great. absolutely. So did you ever read the Harry Potters? I've read three of the Harry Potters, but I've seen all the films. I've okay. read the first three. Yeah. Um, it's actually on my list this summer to read the rest of them. Good for you. Yeah. If you were in a Hogwarts house, which one would it be? I would be a, um, I would be a Ravenclaw. <gasps> Very nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm not probably courageous enough and bold to be a Gryffindor, yeah. I'm not soft-hearted enough, I think, to be a Hufflepuff. Right. I don't think I'm really sort of scamming enough to be a Slytherin. So that Slytherins I think that are put, sneaky. Yeah. So I think that really does. It puts me in, in Ravenclaw. I love it. Pastor Andy Smith, we're so grateful for your time here today on The Calling. We want to thank you for yeah, all the work that you— Thank you. We want to thank you for all the work that you do at Heavenly Host Lutheran Church in Cookville. And we also want to thank you for serving our country so bravely as you have done. Well, thanks for having me on, Dana. That's it for us today on The Calling. Join us next week as we explore more of The Calling.